2: Pace with Alex and Fauci, Alex and Fauci, Alex and Alex and if I put our Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We how can go going? head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Dorte. Now that boy got three. Switch, we got Holly Burton running point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Jalen Smith for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team, we gon' need a mop. Smooth. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host Alex Golden, and joining me is the man ready to answer some questions. Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what do we got going on today?
1: Oh, it's a good old-fashioned mailbag episode. Alex, I'm not going to make the same mistake that I've made many times to say that we're delivering mail today, because that is not the case. We will be reading the mail. I don't know if that's worse, because it's illegal reading someone else's mail, but here we are today.
2: Absolutely. Well, before we get started, let me ask you this, Fachi, because I got a question for you. Um, Do you have, like, this... Do you have this problem with having two jars of peanut butter in your house? Because I don't understand what the big deal is with your wife accidentally buying some crunchy peanut butter that you won't let her go get some creamy. I mean, come on, man. She's pregnant. What are we doing here?
1: It's not. Okay. It's not that I'm not letting her. She could do whatever. We made a grocery list together. She bought the wrong peanut butter and then she tried it and then I'm hearing it's my fault. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like, so she, you know, she's, oh, crunchy peanut butter. Should I throw it out? And it's like, well, could you, why don't you try it first? You know, it's actually, it I like really, crunchy peanut butter. We had some earlier. It was, it was fine. You know, it might not be anyone's go to, but, you know, it's not <laughs> like it's like stale or hideous or anything, but I'm sure we're, I'm sure we're just gonna have to buy some new peanut butter.
2: I mean, just just finish out the crunchy yourself and let her get some creamy. I mean, what's uh, she? She had to post about it on her Instagram story, so that's why I was like, man, this seems like a big deal. Was was this a fight at the house or no?
1: No, not at all. I mean, we (laughs) have one friend who's like oddly obsessed with crunchy peanut butter, so I I think she was like, you know what? Let me see what the people want. You know, what what do they have to say about peanut butter and? And yet, here we are. I feel like I'm about to be buying some peanut butter in my near future.
2: <laughs> All right, Bocci. Well, now that we got that out of the way, I just want to clear that up. Let's start things off with the mailbag.
1: All right. So, uh, question number one, Aaron M., a loyal, longtime, faithful listener, yeah. Aaron. We appreciate you. He said, is this offseason the most crucial one in the last five to ten years for the Pacers?
2: Man, uh, you know, I, I do think it's important. But calling it the most important is, to me, kind of a little bit over dramatic, Fachi. Um, you know, they have a great opportunity here to add key pieces before Halliburton gets his max contract the next se- offseason, but with how the league is, things change so quickly. So I'm not going to say it's the most important, but I do think it's important. I just I just feel like it's kind of hard to say the most important. I think probably one of the most important for, uh, you know, offseasons was when Paul George requested that trade and how everything went. So I don't think it's at that level, but I do think it's big.
1: So I actually have this offseason just behind then because... That Paul George trade shifted the Pacers a totally different direction. And then when they got Oladipo and Sabonis, like, that was huge. It felt like the next start. But I do think this is a really big offseason. And I thought last offseason was supposed to be a really big one, too. But the Pacers, unfortunately, whiffed on DeAndre Ayton becoming a Pacer. When they traded Brogdon, it was, you know, for Neesmith, a future pick, cap space drafting Matherin and Nemhard was very big. So last year was big. I think this offseason is going to be even bigger, but I do think that 2017 offseason was like a total franchise changing offseason. But now let's let's factor in why this offseason could be so big. You could have four picks in the top 32, you got cap space, anything could happen. But Alex, I took a trip down memory lane and I looked at the Pacers recent offseasons and whoa. There ain't a lot to be proud about. Let's look in 2020. This was the offseason for the Pacers. They traded T.J. Leaf and a second-round pick for Jalen McHugh. They signed Keelan Martin, and they drafted Cassius Stanley. That was it.
2: Yeah, pretty bad.
1: That, like if, So when you talk about how big this offseason is, when it's stacked up against some of the offseasons of the past, yeah. yeah, I do expect this to be a very big offseason for the Pacers, but not the biggest.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's not the most crucial one. And that's kind of where I like looked at it in terms of the word crucial. I don't think it's like make or break. You got to get things right this year or things could really go to haywire. No, I think it's, I think people always act like every offseason is the biggest of offseason for their team just because you're excited. You want to see movies. But I think you put a graphic out not too long ago talking about the free agents in this class. There's not a lot there. What no, players? What players are there going to be available in trade? I mean, we saw last year, like, it was seemed like there was going to be a a very busy offseason, and then Kevin Durant just dried up the entire market with his trade request. So, you know, who knows if there's a player out there that does something similar to that this offseason. You just never know, Foch. So that's why I think the league is just ever-changing. The salary cap is going to go up. I, I still think that there's opportunities moving forward where there could be more of a crucial one. Once Tyrese hits his prime and he's, you know, in the middle of that extension, That's when I get a little bit worried because you want to make sure that you you do enough to keep him happy here. But let's move on to our next question. This one comes from Randall Wood. He said, What is one of the main things that you are looking forward to seeing with this team for the rest of the season?
1: Purely developing the young talent. I don't care if we don't win another game, but I want to know who is sticking around in this rotation moving forward. If I had, you know, if I was going to break it down a little bit further, it's. Benedict Matherin starting or playing more with the starting five. I want Jalen Smith back. I want to see more Chris Duarte Isaiah Jackson. Maybe that's just me being greedy. But the number one thing, you got to develop the young players.
2: Yeah, I said I'm looking forward to seeing a youth movement in terms of the rotation. I want to see more Kendall, more Nawara, more Jalen, more Ijax, and more Nimhard as a lead ball handler with the second unit. I mean, everything you said, I'm just echoing and maybe adding a few more things to it. It's just we both are in agreement. We know what McConnell is. We know what Miles Turner is. We know what Buddy Hield is. We know what uh, Daniel Tice is, James Johnson, we, we George Hill. We don't need to see those guys. It's awesome that they're on the team. Let them get some rest. They're getting paid. They don't get paid per game. So it's like, you know, maybe there are some bonus incentives where, like, if a guy's played so many games, like, I totally get that. I think Drew Holiday did that. I think it was last year he, like, played the first tip of the game and then yeah, fouled immediately yeah. to come out but it was because he got a bonus if he played all like all a number of games. And that was like that certain number to get him there. So I get all that, but I mean, we just want to see consistent minutes for some of these young guys to prove what they got.
1: Yep. The next question we got Zachary Barnett. He said, who is your favorite personality on the team? Personally, I love James Johnson. That's what he said.
2: Yeah. I mean, James Johnson's a cool guy. I don't think there's anything wrong going with that. I I just said, I got to go buddy here, you know, He's a pretty funny guy. Seems like a great hang. Uh, Tyrese would be the easy answer here, I think, for a lot of people because he's so relaxed, so cool. You know, he's dope as all get out. But, you know, Buddy isn't Tyrese's best friend for no reason. So I just think, you know, Buddy Hill's always cracking jokes, laughing. But he's a little bit uh quiet when he's on camera. But I think off-camera Buddy might be a fun hang.
1: I agree with you. I did take the cop out answer. I went Tyrese Hallberg. I, I think, I, yeah, I think I'm a little bit biased because when he came on the show, we were really like talking about wrestling and everything. I was yeah, like, true. "This is just my guy. This is my franchise right here." But if I had to pick one more, I'm going Buddy healed. And just a fun fact for everybody, uh, we had Andrew Nemhard on, and I got to speak with him offline. He was, I was like, Andrew. Who would be like an underrated good interview? First name out of his mouth, Buddy Healdi. He's like, Buddy's hilarious. So I feel like Buddy would just be someone that you could generally enjoy hanging out with, crack a bunch of jokes. And uh, I got to say, it's got to be Buddy and Tyrese as your top two. But at the same point, hey, if you like a James Johnson, I'm more than fine with that.
2: I bet James Johnson has a lot of great stories from his NBA career. So that wouldn't be a bad one. I think George Hill would be kind of cool too as well. Uh, Just kind of pick his brain on everything that happened in the old days with the Pacers and how things were about. Just kind of see what he had to say, but that, that's that's where I'm at with that. But let's move on. Next question from Pacer Faithful, Chuck and Jamie, what are your predictions for what happens with all the bigs this offseason? Who stays and who goes?
1: First of all, shout out to James Johnson. It's his birthday when we're recording this.
2: Oh, uh, I'll, nice. I'll,
1: I'll start with him. 2 uh, mm mm-hmm. I'll start with him and just basically say, uh, look, this could be the last year for James Johnson. I believe this is year 14. He's 36 years old. He didn't really play that much this year, so I don't know if James Johnson comes back or is in the league next year. We'll, we'll see. Uh, next, Daniel Tice essentially will be an expiring contract next year. I think the Pacers make a, a solid effort to move Tice. Maybe it's an offseason. Maybe it's midway, but I don't think he finishes next year as a Pacer, but you know what? I said that for this year. <laughs> um, then uh, at, at next, uh, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson. I want to see him duke it out. For that remaining five, a backup five spot, and I hope that one of them takes the job. I think the window of Jalen Smith being our starting four has probably been shut. Maybe there's a little bit of a draft in there if it's a little bit creep, you know, <laughs> creeped open at the bottom. But I, I, I don't think uh, Jalen Smith's going to be the starting four. But I I do want to see him get another shot.
2: Yeah, I didn't even really consider James Johnson with this because I think of yeah. bigs. I think of more centers. Yeah, which is which is Miles Tice. Jalen and Isaiah, but you know, oh. good, good point. I, I think you can kind of tie my uh, point in here with Tice for James Johnson, just roster space, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of opportunities here for the Pacers to, to add some draft picks
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they don't have any really free agents. I think outside of O'Shea set this year and George Hill. So if they bring O'Shea back and they want to bring George Hill back, then they don't have any room. So that to me is like, you got rid of Goga, you got rid of Terry Taylor and the, and the waving of this, Things And Jordan war is an expiring contract as well. He's a big James Johnson is an expiring this year as well. So, you know, I just think with Tice, like you said, he'll be an expiring in 2024. And I think that makes his contract a little bit more appealing to move off of. But I think they're just specifically going to look to get rid of him because of his roster keeping, you know, just taking up a roster spot. And then I said, I, I think they could find a home for Jalen Smith. I don't necessarily think it's a long-term plan here with Jalen after everything that's happened, you know, kind of came back on like a short-term deal, very low on money. But I, I think the one thing is who did the Pacers draft because of the Pacers draft players at his position, when is he going to get playing time? And I think Carlisle can talk to him, Pritchard, Buchanan, all the front office can talk to Jalen and say, Hey, look, you know, we appreciate you coming back and, unfortunately things didn't work out here where can we trade you to where do you want to go kind of like they did with brogdon find a home for him and try to make a fair trade and and see if that team has interest but other than that i think Ijax is here to stay i think miles is here to stay
1: i agree with that um and hey jalen smith i i still hope it works out but i I fear for the worst but we will uh we'll see that remaining 22 games uh next question samuel colbertson Who in this draft class that we could draft realistically do you guys like? It could be multiple prospects.
2: Okay, so just I want to put this out here first. I'm not going to dive into why uh, for these players because we have a ton of draft coverage coming up pretty much from March until the draft happens in June. So you're going to be hearing a lot of my opinions on the draft. I've been working on my big board, Fachi, trying to get it all figured out, and I'm only about 20 to 25 players deep right now sorting out my players, and I've moved some guys here and there. But I will say this, in our draft range, you know, we're currently sixth worst record in the NBA. So I will say keep your eyes on Jairus Walker from Houston. That was my
1: guy. Yep.
2: And Cam Whitmore from Villanova. Those are my two guys right there, foch
1: Both power forwards. Uh, you know, look, Brandon Miller, I don't think he's going to be there for the Pacers, especially not six. We would have to no. We'd have to get into the top four. I think he's going to go with three or four. Drace um, Walker, that, that's that's who I have my eyes on. I, I think most mocks, they have him at four to six. This mm-hmm. is a freshman power forward out of Houston, averaging 11 points, six and a half rebounds, shooting 50% from the field, 38% from three. Everything I read on him feels like, hey, this would be this would be a really good pick for the Pacers. We're both clearly in that same headspace of I would love to draft a power forward if possible. This draft has a lot of good guards in it. We already know we've been down uh, the road
2: a There's a lot of good wings, though, too, pachi in this Please. draft. And there's some there's some guards I think could play wing position as well because there's some taller guards in this draft. I will say this about Walker real quick. I know the numbers don't sound great, like you read off, you know, yeah. just like saying six that. 6 isn't yeah. great. Look at the last, like, 14, 15 games. Much better numbers, higher three point percentage, higher points per game. I think he was averaging around like 17 points over the last 15 games in the 40% range for three point shooting. So he's improving. He's a freshman. Uh, my only concern, he's got a very similar body build. And I said I wasn't going to get deep into it, but here I am to uh, so like Zion, uh, Julius Randle, those kind of bigger builds. So, you know, I was talking with some people off air about this on a text message, and it's just like, I like the potential of him but can he guard one through three in space or is he going to be only able to guard fours and fives? And I don't know yet. That's where I got to dive deeper into it. That's why I don't want to get too deep into it, but that's like my, my only concerns, but I really like the way he's projecting as a prospect.
1: Hey, part of the big reason why Houston just jumped to number one in the rankings in college. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you got to love that, but yeah, the, the rest, there'll be a lot more draft coverage coming out. The problem is right now the Pacers are either picking in the very beginning, maybe sixth overall, or then they're not picking again until 26 to 32. Yeah. Right in that range. So there's a lot of good talent in the middle that it's hard to just imagine the Pacers making that trade yet. But if the Pacers were to move up into like, say, right around 14, 15, our answers could be totally different.
2: Are we given picks like for a later pick too?
1: I, I just went with – initially, I just started out with, with sixth overall. It was too hard to start okay. looking. I think we have a couple other questions in the mailbag that, that I did throw out some later project, uh, projections on. But okay. for this, I just went with, like, who would be one of my top asks if we could pick a guy in that four to six range?
2: Okay. I'll, I'll just throw a name out there if you're wanting a later pick potentially. Taylor Hendricks. Okay.
1: I'll keep Taylor it Hendricks,
2: UCF, if you're interested – Look him up. There's been some conversations about him with Sam Vicini and his podcast, uh, the Ringers Draft Podcast with J. Kyle Mann and Kevin O'Connor. They did a deep dive on him a little bit. I'm just telling you, as someone that's kind of under the radar, maybe in that 15 to 25 range, he's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, I won't say anything else. Let's move on, Fauci. Number six, Tyler Christian said, do Carlisle's increasingly questionable rotations Worry you that he might not be the right guy to be the head coach of the ongoing rebuild. Lloyd Pierce may be his lead assistant, but he's done a very admirable job for the games where he's been the interim.
1: No, look, there's definitely been some questionable rotations, no doubt about it, but it's aided to losing, which is aiding to getting us a better draft pick. And if Carlisle didn't make some of the questionable decisions that he did last year, then we don't (laughs) end up with Benedict Mather in sixth overall. And right now, I mean, there's times that I I think we all know the best players might not necessarily be out there at all times. But I think there's a bigger picture and there's no way to ever be like, what do you mean? I'm tanking. I mean, you can't just flat out say that. So it's just like, you know, he's making some interesting decisions. But I think come draft night, it could very well pay off. And when you give Carlisle a team that could be more ready to win than this one, I think then he'll show – this is why he's a Hall of Fame worthy NBA champion head coach.
2: Yeah, I mean, Rick has done more good than bad, let's be honest. You know, some of the bad is overblown for sure, but I agree that Rick is stubborn when it comes to playing veterans over rookies. So that that is a big concern, and I understand that point of view. But, you know, he's been a great addition to the Pacers. Um, I like him here. I trust him specifically in the playoffs. I, I think that if you look at any assistant on this team, Compare their resume to Carlisle's. It's you know it doesn't even stand a chance. So yeah. I think you know Carlisle is best in a series like that. So I'm not writing Carlisle off. I don't think the guys are tuning him out. And to be honest with you, every single it feels like every single player on the team that's talked about him openly has had good things to say. Now there's been stuff I've heard off air maybe with some things that you know some guys were a little frustrated with their rotations, but that's going to be normal with any guy that's not getting minutes. So I'll just say this: uh, Lloyd Pierce. Has done a good job and Rick's not been here, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't love his tenure in Atlanta, Fauci. No. I, I didn't love the hire. There's a reason he got fired uh, immediately. He had Nate McMillan come in to be his assistant and Nate just out coached him. And, and I think Nate's been a better coach for Atlanta despite everything that's happened down there. I just think Lloyd Pierce, um, for me, Foch, maybe, maybe you learn from your experience and maybe you will be a good head coach one day. I mean, four or five years from now, maybe he's the head coach of the Pacers. Who knows? Uh, but, I I just – I'm not buying into Lloyd Pierce totally.
1: No. One of the better assistant coaches, definitely a better assistant coach from where we were in the Nate Bjorkman era where, I mean, you barely even had it. Greg Foster. Yeah. So, look, I I think that there's a bigger picture. Rick's playing chess. We just got to wait until we get the right pieces before we're ready to, you know, go out there and win for real and make a run at the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Next question we have Chase, simply known as Chase just said uh do you think the Pacers would take scoot Henderson if we end up with the second overall pick even though we already have Halliburton as our main guy or do you think we trade down for Brandon Miller Eamon, azar Etc
2: yeah that's a, a sore Thompson is his name I know it's what it's gonna be point. it's gonna be one you get familiar with people oh yeah a man and a sore Thompson so you know I've said it wrong before too but I've been listening to a lot of draft stuff just like a, probably a lot of you guys have but you know, this is, this is a great question here, though, Fachi. I think the front office would tell us that you always take the most talented player in the draft and figure it out. You know, Scoot would be the number one pick in a lot of previous drafts and future drafts, but based on his projections and talent, uh, you know, just unfortunately is in the same draft class as Victor Wembanyama, one of the most incredible prospects we've seen in NBA history. So, you know, it, it would be a small lineup with Benedict, Scoot, and Tyrese, but we've seen Carl Alpine success with four guard lineups, so... You know, I think that it does make sense to just take him and figure it out. But if he could trade with the third team in the draft and get a future pick by just moving back one spot, though, I think Indiana does it, especially if they get Brandon Miller. I, I, I honestly think Brandon Miller right now is better than Amin Thompson just for what Rick Carlisle likes to do. Now, they need to get better on defense, and Amin Thompson is a terrific defender, but he's a point guard himself, watch. So that's one of those things, too. It's like he's a six foot seven point guard which I think would be interesting to have two ball handlers out there, but he's not a good shooter and that's him in Thompson. So, you know, I just, I just think if they could get Brandon Miller and trade back one spot to get a pick next year, that's like top one protected or something like that. Then I think you have to look at that as just like getting another asset, moving back one spot It it feels very similar to me though, Fachi when Boston traded down with Philly from one to three to get Jason Tatum at three and Philly moved up and got Markel Fultz. Now, Markel Fultz did not work out in Philly, but he's done an admirable job in Orlando as their point guard. I think he's just needed, a, needed to go somewhere where there wasn't as much pressure. But that, to me, is where I'm at. But, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about trading back to, like, five or six, I think that's too far of a jump.
1: Yeah. There was this quick moment where I was like, who are we to turn down Scoot Henderson to say, we already have other players – but then I started thinking about you know I love me a good mystery box, but the idea of trading down just one pick to get a guy like Brandon Miller and get enough back, a few assets back is very appealing. It reminded me of last year when the Pacers there was talks the Pacers wanted to trade up from six to four with Sacramento. And do you remember what Sacramento was offering for just two? I mean, to they, what they were asking for to slide yeah. back two picks, it was going to be like two first round picks, a promising young player, like. All of a sudden, it felt like so much for just two picks. If the Pacers had the opportunity to slide back just one pick and potentially get maybe another first-round pick, a, another young player, and get a guy like Brandon Miller at a, a spot where they need, it's that's hard to pass up. That really mm-hmm. is. So while we we shouldn't be getting greedy, saying ah, eh, we don't need Scoot Henderson, getting a player like Brandon Miller is 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 not chunk change. He he will be good in the NBA.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, Foch, because a lot of people love Scoot Henderson. I love Scoot oh, yeah. Henderson. I think he's a great player, super athletic freak. You know, that's somebody you wanted to see more of in the uh, Rising Stars games. You know, I think it, I'm
1: a little it, bit down on him because of just that. Well, you can't ago, do that. You can't ago, do that. I was like, this is a star, and I know it's not right. We're talking about one all star weekend type game. Yes, look, Scoot's going to be a stud. He is. And if the Pacers were to draft him, compared to trading back a pick, I would still be absolutely thrilled because you just make it work with the best talent available, yeah. but it's good options to have.
2: I just think sometimes we overthink these things. And if you have Scoot out there, I don't even know how tall he is. I think he's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, maybe.
1: I think he's actually like 6'3", six, six, Is four. he smaller?
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tyrese is 6'5", 6'6", six six. Yeah. Matherin six 6'6". Six. So it's not like you're just having a bunch of 6'3 guys out there playing basketball. So you have enough size where you could make it work. So – I, I'm just saying like if you feel like Brandon Miller is like close enough to Scoot Henderson in terms of like what you want from your team then that makes sense to me but
1: I 6-2 for Scoot
2: okay so he is a lot smaller I don't know why I yeah. was saying he's bigger it's probably because of his pro and it's probably because of how high he gets off the ground I mean yeah. the guy can just be a high flyer but is he gonna want the ball in his hands a lot that to me is the only question so. and if he is you know how does that mess with Tyrese you know It's very far-fetched if we we jump up to two, though, Flash. (laughs)
1: It it really is, and I I was, like, really getting into the weeds of this, and I was like, all right, are are we even going to move up? Last year, we moved back in the draft. So, you know, it would be tough, but, uh, you know, it's just Brandon Miller at 6'9", small forward, is such a position of need for the Pacers, so that's very appealing, but it would be a great spot to be in. I could not complain if the Pacers move up to two.
2: And, and the Pacers could just pull a Sacramento. I mean, honestly, stay where they're at, take the guy they like, and, and not feel like they have to be forced into taking him. If they want Brandon Miller and they're there at two and they want to take him, because I'm not going to jump back to four if I don't think the guy that I want going to be there. And if you think Brandon Miller is the guy, right, I'm just saying you don't jump back to four if there's a chance you couldn't get him at three. So I think if he really is the guy they want, then just take him at two and, and deal with it later. I mean, nobody says you have to follow everything to a T. I mean. Everybody last year did not have Paolo going first to the Magic, and then all of a sudden everything flipped on draft night because they knew that the Magic were going to take him over Jabari Smith, and that put Jabari Smith to the third pick when everybody thought he was going one or two. So, you know, I I just say don't overthink it, but let's move on. Question number eight here. uh, I forgot to put the person down who wrote this. So anyway, it says, what is your prediction for the final record of the Pacers, and do they make the play? And I think this might have been Ricky Kelly.
1: Very well could have. You know, Ricky's usually good for questions, so yes. we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think it was
2: Ricky. I'm sorry, Ricky. I forgot to write your name down when I Ricky, p- definitely let, let us
1: know if this was you, but I'm going with 31 and 51 or 32 and 50. No play in for us.
2: Yeah. I said so we talked about this on our rest of season preview, which we'll be releasing on this Monday as a recording. So you'll be hearing that before you hear this. Um personally, me and Fachi, we we went to the records. I think we had five to six wins yes. each. Which seems a little bit low. I said probably going to be closer to eight and 14, probably is the is their final record of their last 20, 22 games. I think they have eight yeah. and 14. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels right. Maybe they go seven and 15, something like that. Maybe they get a win here or there that we didn't give them. But, you know, it's one of those things where I think the Pacers are looking bigger picture here. And you don't be surprised if they try to lose on purpose. So I, I don't think playing is going to be in play. But at the same point, you know, like you said earlier, I think you said on that show, Chicago, their pick is top four protected, not top eight. It's top four protected for this is year. It?
1: Wow, I thought it was yeah. top eight. That must have been that, last year.
2: That was the year when they got when they actually uh, gave they the, tra- the
1: trade. Okay. yeah,
2: so it's actually top four protected. Ooh. So I don't think they're gonna be able to lose enough games to get there. So they're probably gonna try to continue to win with their veterans, Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, uh, Vucevic. They're not gonna be ones to tank. So. I think to keep an eye on them, but let's move on to the next question.
1: All right, next question. Jeff Dunham said, "Does the NBA All Star Game force at least one player from every team on the roster, like the MLB one does?"
2: <laughs> yeah, so no, they don't. They don't do that, but they they do try to get everybody involved in some way with skills challenge, with three point contest, with the slam dunk contest, with the rookie stuff. Refresh my memory if I'm wrong, but I think there's only four teams that weren't re- represented at this All Star weekend and that was the Charlotte Hornets didn't have anybody there. Fauci's Washington Wizards. Kevin Durant's Phoenix Suns didn't have anybody there, unless I'm forgetting somebody, but Durant wasn't there. He was on one of the rosters, but he didn't go to the – he wasn't there, I don't think, playing in the game, obviously. No Devin Booker, no Chris Paul, uh, no DeAndre Ayton. And then Brooklyn. Brooklyn didn't have anybody because they traded other guys that were going to be there. So those were the only four that I could think of off the top of my head that weren't represented this weekend at NBA All-Star Weekend. But – Twenty six teams out of thirty is still a pretty good amount uh, to to kind of showcase the league and let you know some guys get some some love there.
1: Yeah, I mean you know you covered it all all accurate. As, you know the Magic, the Rockets, the Spurs—they squeezed in for like the the Skills Challenge. Oh, the yeah. Spurs! Did you mention the yeah. Spurs? Yeah. No, that
2: Jeremy Sohan was out there.
1: Uh, you're right. Yeah, so they they found the Wizards him, would have been uh, out
2: there. If they didn't have stupid Corey Kispert and uh, you know uh, Johnny Danny Davis.
1: Johnny Davis. People forget Johnny Davis is even playing basketball.
2: Anymore. Think about this. The Wizards could have had Malcolm Brogdon as their starting point guard or draft Johnny Davis, and they picked Johnny Davis. Talk
1: Johnny about Davis, it. He's averaging one point. One point on the year. So talk when about it. I was at the it. game, Johnny Davis came in, all right? So the Pacers are down 22 points. <laughs> Johnny Davis comes in, and I'm like, oh, look at that, like throwing the rook a, a bone. He steps out of bounds the second he touched the ball, and he didn't touch it again. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh man, It was a hard fall for Johnny Davis. But, hey, I'm ready to move on. What do you got?
2: Uh, last one here, Fachi. number 10. This one comes from Rooster, our good friend that you owe a jersey to. I owe a jersey to.
1: <sighs> here, yeah.
2: We owe a jersey. Yeah. I, I, I got a little ahead of myself. But he said, if you could pick one player in the NBA to add to this roster as a starting power forward to add to a starting lineup of Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, Buddy Healed, and Miles Turner, who would it be?
1: Giannis. All right. Right over there. I mean, you can't. Okay, go let's wrong.
2: let's be realistic though. Well, I he mean, he
1: said pick one player. I know.
2: I mean, I would have picked Giannis too. That's like saying the best player in the NBA. Let's well, I, yeah. do you have an answer for realistic or no?
1: I, I just went with Giannis. I, I didn't know we had to be that. You know, what do you got?
2: Okay, so I said this is a tough question. I said if the Pacers could get this player, I'd probably if the players, Pacers could get this player, I'd probably look at Pascal Siakam. OK, oh,
1: awesome. um,
2: the OGs, the John Collins, the Obi Toppin names, they're below a tier than Siakam yeah. is. Siakam's a special player, in my opinion, you know, mm-hmm. and one player that could be intriguing, but I think Rick would pull his hair out if they uh, try to trade for Cat. <laughs> okay Carl Karl-Anthony okay. Towns could be Rick. a guy on the move.
1: Rick's got to have hair in order to pull well, hair whatever out. whatever
2: hair so. he has, that's yeah, the whole joke. Okay, all right, whatever hair go. Rick has left, he would be pulling it out if the Pacers traded for Carl Anthony Towns. Now, Carl Anthony Towns, there's a lot of speculation that he might go to the Knicks because of his I connection with New York. Now, hear me out, Flatchy. I'll hear
1: you out.
2: this team implodes in the offseason, bring this man home, reunite him with the G2 zone, Paul freaking George.
1: Oh, I mean – It'd be magical. It really would at this point. Paul George is what this team is missing.
2: I'm just just saying at this point, I understand that everybody hates Paul George. Tyrese Halliburton has asked the fans to stop booing. If Paul George reunited, came back to Indiana, I think that would be a miraculous story. Now, I don't think he wants to leave California for here. I'm just saying... But Tyrese Halliburton is a special point guard. If he feels like the window has shut with him and Kawhi and that group out in L.A., then I would be aggressive on that. Now, that's that's my pipe dream. That's my Giannis answer, I guess you could say. But I think based on what Toronto does, I mean, I think that Pascal could be somebody that could be available.
1: Could. Can't say that he can't be, depending on the direction of, of where Toronto goes. I mean, they're, they're in a really weird spot. I mean, not, not many expected them to... Trade assets for Jakob Hurdle when he's going to be a free agent, but they didn't. <laughs> I know. Um, and they didn't sell any of the guys that are hitting free agency. So we'll see. But you know, it's a it's a fun question to ask. Um, you know, you told me Giannis wasn't believable, which obviously he isn't. But then you named a couple of guys that are going to. Be- I said if things implode hard to acquire.
2: But Paul George is not the face of the franchise. Carl Anthony Towns is no longer the face of the franchise for the Timberwolves. It's Anthony Edwards.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think
2: I think you would say Kawhi Leonard is the face of the franchise for the Clippers, right? You
1: should, you should.
2: right? I mean, maybe Paul's the face. I mean, they're kind of faces together, yeah, but
1: they're like one A, one B, you know. But I'm just saying,
2: Giannis is like MVP no, level, it, the best not, player in the league. Exactly.
1: You know? It's not happening. I can definitely tell myself that that will never happen. But uh, <laughs> hey, look, there's there's very few guys that if you add to this team as a starting power forward would take this team to the true next level. I think when you touched on Siakam, he is one of those that gets us past just being a play playoff appearance team It mm-hmm. could actually be winning a series or two. Right. So, hey, it, it's fun, but we're just going to have to wait and see uh, who actually becomes available. And I think this is exactly why you're happy the Pacers have as much assets available right, as they do going into this offseason.
2: Absolutely. So this is part one of the mailbag. So hope you guys enjoy that. Part two will be coming out tomorrow and we're going to have nine questions for you. So we had 10 there. We'll have nine tomorrow. We were supposed to do 14 to 16, but we let a couple extra slide in there. So thank you everybody for your questions. Fachi, let people know where they can find us at on social media.
1: Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You could find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. And you can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. But Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube.
2: You can go to youtube.com slash head in the pace of Pacers Podcast and subscribe to our channel for all of our video content. I want to thank you all so much for those that have done it already. If you're listening to this on the audio platform, thank you very much. If you found us on YouTube and you're now an audio listener, thank you as well. So, Bachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to be back in action but you're hoping that they position themselves for a better draft pick, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. And the pace going to the top this is your number one podcast sweeping every team we gonna
0: need a mop Smoke. this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently